Uh, welcome everybody and thanks for making the time to join us on today's webinar. Um, we have Valness Leasing Specialist, Mr. Michael Cuter from North Cape Retail Property Specialists with us today to discuss leasing and some of the recent COVID related changes to leasing protections. We're also going to discuss uh, a leasing toolkit that Michael has been working on with us for our members to help you with a reference point to all leasing issues and importantly planning for a lease renewal. Um, we have half an hour, so I'll kick off with a quick introduction to Michael for any members who haven't already um, familiarised themselves with Michael's experience. Michael is a property veteran with over 30 years experience in the retail property industry. He has been working with our members on leasing issues for the best part of the last decade now and has helped many members who have engaged him to successfully assist with their lease negotiations. Uh, Michael is engaged by Anna to provide base level support and education on leasing issues for members and he can also undertake more comprehensive leasing representations directly with members. Um, if you have any questions during the webinar, please put them in the Q&A section that you'll see a button for below and we'll try to answer as many of these as we can further on in the webinar. So Michael, welcome again. Um, we might kick off with a quick query on how the general leasing environment um, is around the country right now. Um, for instance, are rents decreasing? Hopefully they are. Um, are vacancies increasing? Are, um, you know, are the current shadow lockdown conditions keeping retail shoppers at home? What's happening out there? Uh, well, thanks uh, Thanks again, Ben, for inviting me on today. It's uh, been a real pleasure. pleasure. Love working with the members. It's um, been a good, great relationship for the last 10 years. So uh, love to try to help wherever I can. So look, you're, you're absolutely spot on, uh, particularly on the East Coast and the larger cities. It seems we've almost got a self-imposed lockdown going on at the moment with the uh, the Omicron uh, virus spreading very fast. And um, particularly in the cities, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, um, we've seen a lot of shops are shut. Uh, and so it, look, we, I'm getting a lot of members um, within within Alma and of course my other clients, which I've got uh, in different channels, experiencing a lot of downturn in trade, particularly in January. In fact, most, even my, even my pharmacy clients, a large pharmacy client, you would think would be doing well in a time like this, but they said January has been diabolical. So yeah, where we are in very difficult times, there's no question about it. Despite what some pundits in the in the media will say that we're you know we're, we're doing quite well, we're not financially in terms of retail. And yeah, it's right well. across retail. We're finding. I mean, we've been talking to members obviously extensively over the last month, and you know they have a pretty good Christmas generally, but um, but January's been tough, and we're seeing that you know hospitality, for instance, is getting smashed. So it's, it is a challenging little time at the moment while we're getting through this, this Omicron wave. Yeah, and look, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the conditions because um, vacancy rates are up. They're up the highest they've been for a long, long time. Um, in the city, there'd be probably, in retail vacancies are probably approaching 14, 15%. Now, a good vacancy rate in the city is two or 3%. Um, right. Shopping centres, um, I, I'd venture to say, uh, probably hitting the sort of 10, 5 to 10% mark. If you're really, if you're really uh, exposed what who are on holdover and who are casual tenants and so forth, because a lot of the large tenant landlords are very clever at masking a tenancy to say, to pretend that this is like a normal tenant, this is a permanent you know, tenant with a long-term lease, but in fact, they might probably be a casual tenant. So things are tough uh, and rents are definitely going backwards. No question about it uh, on a general perspective, but you know, every, every situation is different. And, and every landlord's different too. But generally speaking, rents are going backwards. Landlords uh, are being more negotiable. Um, and there has been a propensity too for, for landlords wanting retailers to take more space. So if you've, if you've got an existing shop or even a new shop, whatever space requirements, you're probably getting your landlords uh, trying to 
try to convince you to take more area that you don't need to try to resist that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and so like with when members are talking to you at the moment, what are some of their top issues? I mean, are they talking about um, about rents declining and the opportunity there to, you know, see some um, some benefits for them in their leases? Um, you know, what have been some of the top issues? Yeah, look, um, look the, the primary issue, of course, is the, the, the COVID downturn because of the lockdowns, particularly in the, um, the Eastern states, so they're, they're still, people are still dealing with the fallout of that nearly two years later. So we've got people who've got these accrued arrears because part of the, uh, you, as, you, as many people would know, as part of that code of conduct, um, there was an allowance for a deferral. Now- Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that because we've had those extensions now to those various tenancy codes in um, around the country. Um, is, you know, is there anything members should be aware of with those extensions? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, as, you, as you know, the, it's basically replicating what the, the code that was set out in 2020, um, which was hurriedly put together by the government and then replicated in 2021 uh, in modern states. But it's not that great, quite frankly. Um, as you, you know, it, proportionally, the landlord's supposed to help you by the drop in your sales. Um, and, and only half of that help can be actually... So 50%, uh, of the of the, the rebate is only given as a rebate was that the rest is the third so in many cases people are getting 25 percent off their rent only at maximum which is yeah. not that big deal so you know, so i think it's it's, it's it's something um in most cases i've actually been recommending if your situation warrants it that if your rent is has it you know a diabolically high forget about what the code says i'll just be saying you know we've been absolutely smashed we want us 50 percent pure write-off for a period of X months, and this is the rationale why. Um, and if you do this, I'll pay the balance of my arrears up front or very quickly. Um, that that's music to a lot of landlords' ears, particularly the big ones, because these large landlords have got literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in arrears on their books right now. I'm yeah, right. So, so, what's the best way to approach it? Because, like, one of the questions I was going to ask you is around. You know, for those that have already utilised those codes and they've got deferred rent coming up, um, you know, and and they're still obviously struggling because we've got this this now new wave with Omicron. Um, what sort of conversations would you suggest they have with their landlord because um, they've already utilised the codes? Um, versus obviously you're saying if you haven't utilised the code and you're impacted now, well, potentially you can go in pretty hard. And, and as you say, don't talk about deferred rent, just talk about the um, abatement um, up front. There's sort of two different um, themes there, I guess. Yeah, no, good, good questions, Ben. Um, look, in both, both cases, um, you're pro the, the, the member's probably going to have rears, accumulated rears. And most of the landlords want them cleared as quickly as possible. So the carrot in that case is, if you help the greater rebate, I'll pay the arrears off quicker. You know what I mean? So you're going to them with an alternate to what the minimum requirement is in terms of the government's requirement. Let's say, you know, let's say you're entitled to a 25% rebate, 25% deferment. Well, you might say, I want a 40% write-off, no deferment, but I'll pay my arrears off within 60 days or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So you're, yeah you're offering something in return. If they give something, you'll give something back. And certainly yeah. if you're with a landlord, that's a really good one. The big landlords are really coming to the party with that because they, as I said, they've got probably billions on, literally billions in arrears right now. 
Okay, so it is a, a reasonable bargaining chip to um, to, yes. to offset those arrears against a better deal. Absolutely, and in a number of cases, I've I've managed to get significantly more written off um, by that tactic um, by offering, um, and it's because you got to have you got to be financially uh, enabled to do that too. So in many cases, people can't; they simply can't. But if you are able to pay the debt quicker on the basis of getting a bigger rebate, that's a way to go if you can. Okay, brilliant. Um, now, my next question for you, because um, we've covered those leasing code ones, um, one of the major issues we've discussed over the years is leaving a lease renewal too late. Um, obviously, in this new environment, how would you recommend recommend members approach and plan for a, a lease renewal? Yeah, another good question, Ben. It's preparedness. That's that's the word I'd, I'd, I'd like everybody to be sort of left on their mind, preparedness. So when I say preparedness, it's it's being ready for your lease renewal well before it's it's, it's expires. Um, I, I think generally you should be looking at your you should be diarising it probably around twelve months beforehand. Now that doesn't mean twelve months you've got to start to immediately um, negotiate because the landlords might say it's a bit too early. But you've started you've got to get your your affairs in order. Uh, and what I mean by that is the first the first question you've got to ask yourself is, do I like these premises? Are they the right premises? Are they in the right location? Are they the right size? Is it the right configuration? Or is there alternate premises? That's the first question people got to ask them. Because many people just go, oh, I'll just renew my, life, renew my lease and just move on. But in this current environment, there could be fantastic opportunities out there in the marketplace that you're missing out on. We get a better site, better location, and a cheaper rent, and you might even get a fit-out contribution and a brand-new fit-out fresh very, you know, would be a lot, lot, lot less cost than had you done it by yourself. So prepare yourself, prepare yourself, yeah. know the market. They're so. really good points, and and so you're um you're seeing um you're seeing incentives being paid where they're getting complete fit outs. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I did a recent um, deal with a news agent uh, for a news agent. And at the time, the landlord had pretty much written them off as even staying in the centre. And they'd pretty much said, there's no lease expired. There's no lease offered come March. Um, they didn't even realise that, uh, even though it was very abundantly clear in the documentation that they weren't being offered a new lease. <laughs> but okay. anyway, we managed to salvage the situation. And they were a sitting tenant. And I managed to get them $150,000 towards their, their fit-out contribution. Wow. So... And and I got a reasonable rent. It was a, it was a it's a very expensive shopping centre, but the rent was much better than what they came at us with and what they've originally proposed to the tenants before. So yeah, and look, and and that was in that particular case, it's a very very powerful shopping centre. Uh, so even rents there are probably not even going backwards. That it's that good. But wow. in that case, they they realised the landlord. This is this is a key thing. The landlord realised that we really need a news agency in that part of the centre. So we are willing to dr to drop our our, uh, our budget on that particular site because uh, a news agency was really required. Okay, fascinating. And so you mentioned before that you're getting um, some landlords obviously trying to push additional space on news agents. Um, and obviously, one of the things we talked about in the lead up to having a chat today was around you know as you said before, assessing is this size of this store right for me? I mean, we've seen some members downsize their store size and look, every business is different. Um, but um, I, I guess what what do you suggest if that scenario comes up that they're pushing more space on it? Well, I think the first thing is um, 
just hear what they have to say. I mean, um, again, the preparedness part is you would hope that you would have done your homework and known what your optimal space is anyway. Yeah. Uh, but if you hadn't considered that, you should think about, well, maybe could I use that extra space? What could I use that extra space for? Is there some something other usage I can introduce into the business that could generate good revenue and margin that I haven't been thinking about? Um, and, but if the answer is no, then, you, mm. then you, you've got to push back and you've got to explain the reasons why. And that's right. I mean, you've got to look at your stock terms in the different categories and, you know, you've probably got to start with, you know, are there... Um, are there categories that, that you know I don't really need to be in anymore? But equally, as you said, that the categories that I could move into that would be great opportunity because a lot's changing in every every retail environment. Like whether it's on a high street or whether it's in a shopping centre, other businesses are closing, other businesses are changing probably more rapidly than they have been for a while. So it's like you've got to look at your local area and community and, and see where the low hanging fruit is. I guess. I uh, absolutely, Ben, and particularly if you're not in a shopping centre. Landlords are far more flexible in terms of permitted usage clause. So, excuse me, every lease has a permitted usage clause. So you must stick to with what that says. Now, in a shopping center environment, they're really anal about that because they're trying to, you know, trying to control the mix of the center. They don't want retailers selling everything under the sun without having different categories. But in a in a high street environment, the landlord probably wouldn't even know what you sell. So there is some niche, I mean, I was speaking to a member recently, I think it was about six months ago, and she was introducing a pet line, uh, a line of pet uh, products, you know, pet care products, uh, but she was a news agent, but the, there, was a, there was an absolute necessity for um, th these products that none of the retail in town was supplying. And this particular retailer was so, she, was, she, she so knew her market and, and she was also a pet lover and knew all the, the right brands and so forth. Mm. And um, people were asking if they sold it. And she said, I'm a news agent. But so, so pretty soon so she, she started introducing all these lines in and it's a big part of her business now. now. Yeah, yeah. And that can fit really well in a news agent space, um, particularly on a high street. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's, you know, as you, as you pointed out, you've got to find out and figure out what your market wants. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Um, now, um, Keep going with my questions. Um, the next one I had is, so if your current lease is not up for renewal, so you know, most members are probably in that situation, um, but with all the changes going on with the pandemic and so on, your current one's just not working for your business anymore in this changed environment. Is there an approach you'd recommend to address this with your landlord? I mean, in most circumstances, if you're a, you know, got a standing lease, it, it, they're probably gonna say no, but has that changed in this environment? Um, it probably has changed. Um, again, what you've got to, the, the way to approach it is what are the hot buttons for the landlord, your particular landlord? Now, if the way I've been doing it with, the, with one of the large landlords is, you know, I knew the hot buttons with your rears and we've got some clients that have got two, three, four hundred thousand dollars worth of accumulated rears. So that's a real press, pressure point for them. So we use that as part of our negotiation. If you do this, we'll do this and we'll pay it off, pay the rears much quicker. Um, now every situation is different, but you might find that you know you've got a landlord that's just you know, <laughs> has a real propensity not to invest in his property or her mm -hmm. property. Yeah. Um, you might say, look, you should have replaced the ceiling. You should have done, you know, you should have replaced part of that facade that's rotting away. How about I do those works, but you will do a brand new lease, and I want the rent written back to X. You know what I mean? You've got to just find the hot point. You know what I mean? That's the hot button, so to speak. That you can you can talk to your landlord with and try to negotiate a deal. 
Yeah, that's good. Really good point. And are you finding in this market that they're more up for negotiation um, than they have been in the past? Yeah, generally, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. The smaller landlords, the smaller landlords, I have to say, uh, can, are very tricky um, because they've got different pressures. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the, if anything, the smaller landlords are more belligerent and difficult than the large, large ones. Yeah. So if, you've got, if you're with a large shopping center group, really try your luck because they're, they're more flexible than they've ever been. Small animals, not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more difficult because personal circumstances come into it a lot more with a small um, landlord. But right. uh, that said, we saw through COVID, some small landlords were, you know, really quick to come to the table with abatement and so on, um, which surprised us. So, but, but obviously it depends on their own personal financial situation. Um, so my next question is, we've been working together on a new leasing toolkit for members, um, which I mentioned earlier on. Um, can you tell us a bit more about um, that and how, how members will be able to utilise it? Yeah, thanks, um, Ben. Yeah, I've been working on that. Um, should, we should, I think we should be ready for, for review probably in, uh, early to mid-February. So um, it's basically, it's not a how-to kit, but it's, it's, a, it's a toolkit that allows you to to go to the site and, and understand the fundamentals of leases and lease negotiations. And that's really important because there's not many places you can actually go. Even you go to government websites, they kind of explain things, but um, they won't give you the nuances. So I'm trying to do that so that you understand what a, you know, a lease renewal is as opposed to a new lease uh, and, and an option as opposed to a new lease and so forth. There's, there's, there are differences and people aren't, even people in the industry get those things wrong, believe it or not. Yeah. So it will be of a how-to type of uh, kit, and I, I hope um, I hope people get get some use of it. Um, the again, the, the overarching theme will be preparedness. Again, okay. be, do your homework, uh, and that's really important. And will you put in there some some of the pitfalls, things you know, to look at, not to do? Because I know when we've talked before, sometimes when you get a call from a member, they've already sort of started the lease negotiation themselves. And they've already given ground before you have a conversation with them, and so potentially they've 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 lost some of the potential um, benefits before we start. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um, and look, I do realise that some members are part of marketing groups, and uh, and that some of those marketing groups have their own internal leasing people. So I would urge them. You know, the members to talk to their individual leasing specialist in that marketing group. Yeah, great. But they can feel free to talk to me. I'm not going to be uh, doing anything to counter that. But uh, it, it doesn't hurt to talk to us because, um, as you know, Ben, this is a, a member a member benefits, a free service. I don't pay anything for it. So before you're about to embark on a lease negotiation, again, mark your diary at least 12 months down. I just pick up the phone, send an email to it and say, hey, Michael, this is my situation. What do you think? How should I approach it? And and you can you know I can have a chat to you about it and we can mull it over and from that point you can decide whether or not I think I can get I can negotiate. No, that's spot on. And, and and look, um, you know, some of the um, marketing groups do a fantastic job of lease negotiation, but um, I, I think your service and advice and the toolkit can also be complementary to that to make sure that you understand about being prepared and starting early and, and some of the pitfalls. Got a couple of questions from members. Um, we've got one here. When the, rele when 
the release is about to, sorry the lease is about to renew should i request an independent re, um, evaluation if the landlord refused to reduce the rent so i think like an independent um evaluation of of the the lease it depends <laughs> if okay. it's an option if it's an option to review and a formal market review then it's a definitely a good idea because then you are pre-armed with um, professional knowledge that will help you during the negotiation. If it's a, a complete lease expiry and you do not have an option to renew, it's a nice to do, but it actually means nothing because it, once a lease expires and if you don't have an option, both parties are free to walk away without any obligation. So therefore, if you come, to the, uh, come back to the table with a valuation and it says the rent's got to go down by 50%, the land's going to say, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I yeah. said we don't. Um, it's not going down fifty percent, and they don't, and they've got no obligation to to negotiate. Okay, so, so so sometimes it can be worth doing to inform you as in your negotiation. Correct. I mean, if you think uh, the old adage is, if it's a big rent, okay, it's worth doing a valuation. Big okay. rent, big risk. If it's not a big rent, if you're talking fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand a year rent, you know, valuation is going to cost you two to three thousand bucks. Yeah. So think about it. But if you're paying 200000 a year rent, and even if it's not an option to renew, um, it's a nice thing to do to get yourself ready for the discussion. Yeah. And this is a game where, you know, starting 12 months out, you've got a bit more bargaining power at that Absolutely. point than you do when, you know, the, the lease is ending in a couple of weeks. It's like um, you've, you've given up that ground. So I've got a couple more questions here. Um, one from John um, at Wynnum North. Um, how can you get rid of a demolition clause? <laughs> uh, if, if your landlord, you know, if your landlord wants a demolition clause in there, you're not going to get rid of it, unfortunately. Um, the the industry has accepted it, unfortunately, over the last 30 years. When I started in the industry just on 30 years ago, landlord uh, redevelopment clauses were quite rare. And if you had one, most tenants wouldn't sign it. But over the years, landlords have become accustomed to it and they, they sign them. So there's no what really wants you to do to sign. There's not much you can do to get out of it. The only thing you can do, though, is you'd probably try to negotiate the period of notice greater than what's required under the Act. So normally the Act, I think, requires six months in most states and territories, but you might say, I want at least 12 months or two years notice or something like that. So that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. You need to, you, the key thing is you need to buy time. So you have plan B. Yeah. Plan B is very important. Yeah, and actually, uh, I don't know if we touched on that um, earlier when you were talking about um, assessing... Um, you know, do I want to be here? Um, is this the best site? And, you, and I know yesterday when we were um, talking about today's webinar, you talked a lot about plan B. Do you want to touch on that a bit more? Yeah, excellent point, Ben. Um, so as part of the preparedness process, um, I always tell my clients, regardless of who they are, uh, where they are, is always have plan B at the beginning of the process. In other words, even if I'm happy with the shop I'm in, and I do believe my landlord's going to come to the party, you don't know. You don't know they will. So it's important to have plan B. And when I say plan B is, what if everything goes to custard? I can't negotiate an acceptable rent or the landlord's decide to move me or the landlord doesn't want to give me the new lease. You need to have another plan. And that plan is another shop in a close location as good as or better if you can. And so hence the reason I say you need to start planning this 12 months before 
because if you're two months out from your renewal, you got bugger all time left and the landlord's got you in a pincer movement effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so plan B is very important. Okay. A lot, of, a, lot of my, a lot of my clients, you know, say, oh, we don't need to do that. I know I'm going to get it renewed. I said, please, please listen to me. Please, please do it. And many cases we've gone, Jesus, I'm glad you we had plan B, Michael. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good point. And we'll try and cover that off in the in the toolkit. I've got another question here from David. Um, can you please explain what a heads of agreement means and how reliable is it in moving into a lease renewal? Yeah. Um, the industry uses different terms, usually depending on which state you come from. Some people call it heads of agreement. Some people call it a letter of, letter of offer. Some people call it agreement to lease. It's basically, uh, it's basically the beginning of a contract. So if you've got heads of agreement and it's, and it's signed by the landlord, signed by you, you'll find that it's got all these um, clauses in there that says nothing in this gives rise to a lease until a lease is signed, so forth. So usually they're not binding, but it pretty much says we've got a deal. We've got a deal. So heads of agreement, you should detail all the, 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 the key commercial terms of the, the lease being the shop, the area, rent, outgoings, all that sort of stuff. So the more <laughs> detail you put into it, the better? Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and anything, <clears throat> if, if there's something you've discussed with the landlord and it's not in the, let, the heads of agreement, um, but you did agree to it, but it's not in there, make sure it goes in. Write a, write a hand amendment initial, make sure it goes in. Because yeah. after the event, if it's not in the lease and it's not in the agreement for lease, I'll say, no, we can't remember talking about that before. Yeah, uh, it's very important that's done correctly. Okay, good good tips. Um, I've got another one here from Harry. Uh, in general, um, how the shopping centre calculate the how do the shopping centres calculate the rent by space by sales figures? Normally, how much per square meter? Okay, good point. Um, look, generally speaking, the large landlords will, will always talk rate per square meter. Yeah. Um, and purposes and higher obviously center so and um so they, they'll generally talk rate per square meter it's arrived at basically yes by turnover so we'll we, we, they say you can't do that and you shouldn't be doing that but that's absolutely what we do when I, when I was in the industry they'd be looking at somebody and they're paying they're doing four million dollars turnover in a fashion shop geez we can sting for 15 percent easily and so suddenly that becomes a new market and if that tenant accepts 15 percent of cost you know what I mean suddenly that becomes a new rent. And then, so the next tenant you go to, you say, well, we've got 15% or you won't, you won't refer to that as 15%. You were to refer to it as a rate per square meter. You'll yeah. say, oh, I've got 2,200 bucks a meter from that guy. That, that That's the range is 21 to 2,200. And that's how they establish their market. And that's why in, in certainly the large centers like Westfield and AMP and everything else, you've got rack rents over the last probably 10, 15 years because they've been able to just, we've been in a boom time, boom economy until up until, you know, the last few years. And it's largely been based on turnover, even though they say it's not. It is, trust me, it is. And that was, I had that down in my notes as another question I was going to ask you. And so, because this one's come up, I think it's it's probably a good time, is, you know, rent to turnover ratios. I mean, normally we sort of think about news agencies being around that sort of up to 10%, but I know we've, we've seen examples where news agents have been paying, you know, way over the odds for that and, and then equally we've seen um you know really tight negotiations where they're sort of down in the four and eight percent mark um what are your thoughts on ratios in this market given sort of harry's question good question too uh generally speaking the bit the stronger your turnover and I, I think a good turnover for a news agent personally with lottery sales is you know four or five million dollars 
then, then you probably got an ability to pay, you know, 10% after occupancy costs, maybe a bit more. Um, but if you're sort of sub $1 million, I really think it's really difficult to pay any more than 10%. I really do. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, the number of members that I look at, the P&Ls, all every day I see them paying 30 and 25 and 50% of turnover. It's ridiculous. And, and, and that's why we've been, as you know, Ben, we've been pushing, you know, uh, landlords to tr try to educate them to say that uh, that's just not sustainable. Yep. And I've got another question here from David who asked before about the heads of agreement. Um, he said, can you please explain gross rent versus net? And what is your guidance in identifying which option suits best? And I guess that maybe that relates a little bit to that rent versus turnover ratio as well. Uh, yeah, the rent to turnover ratio is based on gross rent. Now, gross rent is all our rent. Now, some landlords consider gross rent to be outgoings and rent only, and they, they classify promotion levy as separate because that's a marketing, and I don't. When I work gross, when I'm negotiating, I say, no, no, that's money my client's got to write out of a checkbook and give to you. He never sees yeah. it again. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> <Probably. laughs> don't give me that nonsense. It's not separate. It's the same. So yeah. if you're talking gross rent, all lumped into one. Net rent is basically base rent, where that's charged separate to the outgoings and promotion levy. Okay, and and uh, that they are two different types of the definitions are different. You know what I mean? So people can get confused a lot. So a landlord will sometimes talk uh, rate per square meter net. They'll say it's five hundred dollars a meter net. That means it's outgoings and promotion levy on top. Yeah. They say gross. You just need to clarify. Does that include promotion levy? Because I would go, oh no, that doesn't include it. Yeah. So you clarify. And look, this is some of the things that'll be in the toolkit. And this is where the devil's in the detail, isn't it? And while you know, talked before about the heads of agreement about getting all those details. Um, I've got an, one more here. Um, if the waiver, and this is, I guess, to do with the leasing codes, if the waiver slash deferred proportion for recent assistance period in the code has been already agreed, can it be renegotiated? The short answer is maybe. <laughs> it depends on the situation, depends on the landlord. Um, if your situation is so dire that you've been really badly smashed, um, you know, particularly through December and January, and absolutely I'd go back. It, it can't hurt to go back and say, look, situation's changed. January's fallen in a heap. I, we need more help. You know what I mean? This is a We've got to, the key thing we're going to say with, with the COVID crisis, it's ever evolving. And I think that's that's the, mm. the key message. You know, this is not over yet. You know what I mean? Um, no. no, I mean, my answer would be yes. I mean, go back and, and, yeah. and always ask the question. I mean, it, it never hurts to ask the question. And to your point before, I suppose if there's that little bit of negotiation, if you've got outstanding rent and maybe you can um, use that as a bit of a bargaining chip if you've got the capacity to pay um, to, to offset um, against an increased abatement, um, you know, go for it. Yeah, or, or any other any other angle that you know that's important to the landlord that you might be able to fulfill. Like I say, sometimes doing some landlord works or something, you know, in, in the case of a freestanding shop, you know what I mean? Yep. Cases like that. No, that's that's really good. Um, now I've got um, I've got, but uh, I think that's the end of the member questions that we've had. Um, so I'll just um, I've got one more for you. Um, you know, obviously with your service with the members, while we make you available to talk to any member who needs assistance with basic leasing questions for free, which is great. And I know you write lots of articles for us in the toolkit, and you talk to lots of members um, with all their leasing questions. Um, 
I think it's important um, for members to sort of consider, um, you know, leasing in much the same way that they would their accountant. I mean, leasing representation advice, it's a specialised area, as you know, it's evident from the discussion today and one that requires, you know, professional advice and services to achieve the best outcomes. So I wonder if you could just talk a little bit, um, talk us through how after members have spoken to you a few times about their questions, if they want to actually engage your services to negotiate their lease, um, you know, what does that look like? How budgeting for that type of advice and support can, can deliver them financial returns? Because it's an investment really is the way I see it. It's like you invest in your lease every five years. It's like you pay your accountant every year. You know, you, you budget for it, you think about it, and then hopefully you get that return on your investment from that negotiation. Yeah, that's no, thanks, Ben. That's a that, that's that's a good question to, um, for me to clarify. So I guess, irrespective of whether or not you're a real competent negotiator or you think you can do it, I, I, I would urge uh, you talk to you in a case of a marketing um, a marketing group. You talk to the person there, um, and or myself, um, and just have a chat. Talk about the situation. You can yeah, no, but the, the way the service works is you, you can send me any any data and lease material like correspondence, whatever it takes to ask questions and get guidance. And that's all part of service. And that often often back off with with emails, reviewing leases and everything else all the time. And that's part of the service. Um, like we don't charge for that. Um, the only time we charge that is where members going, look, Michael, I, I think I've got what I need. I think I my life and negotiate it myself. And I'll say, great, give me a call if you need help. And then that member goes off. Now, there's a point where some members go, you know what, Michael, I don't really want to deal with the landlord. Um, I think I know where I, what I want and how and, and where my lines are, but can you step in and negotiate for me? And that's that's where it changes. That's where the separate vote is charged. And often I'll do, or I'll do incentivize arrangements. So I'll savings in rent that I get members and or um, a percentage of capital if I'm able to secure, uh, is, uh, you know, a leasing incentive for them. So um, often, often little, um, the most cases we do get wins. So um, otherwise I wouldn't be in business. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's certainly worthwhile. Um, but I do say if you've got a small uh, rent and a small lease, <clears throat> excuse me, often you, it might not be worth your while doing it, going through someone like myself, because it's such a small rent versus the fee. But... Yeah. But you still might elect to do so because you don't want to do it. You know what I mean? And uh, certainly cases where you've, you're on a, a reasonably high rent, it's definitely worth doing because if you're paying 150000 a year or something, 200000 a year, and my fee costs, say, 10000 you know, well, guess what? Um, that was well worth worth um, investment if I got your rent down by 50000 a year. Yeah, you know that? It, that, that's exactly right. And the way I sort of look at it is, uh, you know, your expertise is not only... Um, understanding the, the the process and what motivates a landlord but it's also the relationships that that you have and 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 i know um you know we we have other people working in this this space from marketing groups and they have their relationships as well and really good ones um and i think that's where having somebody represent you can really um pay dividends because um you don't know what you don't know do you and it's um it's it's having that that level of advice is really important yeah, no, thanks, thanks, Ben. Yeah. Um, we did have one other question about the assistance period going beyond the third for the rental assistance going 
beyond the 13th of the 1st, 2022. I'd have to go and check on that. I don't know if you know, Michael. Uh, it'll depend state by state, mate. Every, yeah. every state's doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, but, but you know what? I, 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 I wouldn't pay too much attention to it, honestly. I, I, this, the, not, the, the code is not that helpful. I'd, I'd be going for that. Um, that's a minimum, remember? A minimum the landlord has to do. Yeah. So I'd be going beyond that anyway. So, so, so your recommendation would be, um, and, and we can find that out for the member um, anyway, but um, but your recommendation would be just go and have the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, would, happy to take that offline though, Ben, because um, as I say, we'll just check the state that member's in and see what which particular um, part of the code applies. But in any respect, I'd venture to say they'll be going for more than the minimum there anyway. Yeah, yeah. So get, get in contact. Um, okay, look, it's been, um, I think, how are we going for time? Yeah, we're just over the, the half an hour. I think that's been excellent. Um, thank you, Michael. I've really enjoyed the conversation and there's been some really good good questions from members. Um, so, um, yeah, it'd be great to get you on again. And, um, and I know um, members will probably be looking out for that toolkit um, once we get that out in the next couple of weeks. Um, so we'll highlight that. Um, Oh, sorry, there's just been one more question. The question is not about rent, but it's related to landlord. My landlord put $200 excess on building and um, loss of rent on insurance policy, um, which put the premium up. Uh, can I ask for something? Not sure. Um, look, it would depend what your lease says. Um, but look, generally speaking, um, you'll find a lease says that, well, it depends on what your lease says, but a lot of the times they don't, uh, it won't, the lease will not specify what the landlord can and can't do in terms of insurance policy. It'll say that you have to pay the, the insurances uh, as per the landlord's pay, whatever they've paid, that you have to pay them. So yep. you don't have to say, you don't have a say in the level of policy cover or anything else like that. It doesn't normally work that way. Right, okay, okay. And the other one was that previous question about the assistance going beyond the third and the first, that was for New South Wales. Um, but um, I think we'll probably have to finish up, but we, um, I'll take a note and um, we might um, put the two of you together. No problem at all. No problem okay, at all. Um, thanks, uh, Michael. It's been terrific. And to everyone who's joined us today, thank you for your time. And thanks for the great questions and please stay safe. And um, I look forward to, um, to doing this again soon. Thanks, Ben, and thanks all. Um, and also, we'll um, we'll put in the newsletter today actually Michael's contact details with with this video. Um, so if anybody wants to get in contact with Michael, we'll have those in the newsletter this afternoon. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Ben. Thank you, Michael. Cheers. Bye. Okay, have a good day. Bye.